Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this podcast, we bring you interviews of successful women real estate investors who come on to share their stories, their successes, their failures, their best investing advice, and uh, we just we bring you amazing women, and today is certainly no exception. I'm super excited to have as our guest, Michelle Weir, who started in real estate as a private lender back in 2012. Since then, she's provided funds for 25 lending deals with six different rehabbers, bought and sold a triplex, and has invested in discounted notes. That's not her main, main, her main gig. Her main gig is music. She's on the faculty at UCLA. She's also a busy freelance arranger, teacher, clinician, who has worked in approximately 25 countries today. Her arrangements have been sung and are recorded by vocal groups, including the Manhattan Transfer, New York Voices, Swingle Sisters, Boston Pops Orchestra, many others. In addition to numerous published arrangements and popular books for jazz singers and pianists, her recent project is, one of her recent projects is a unique iPhone app for vocal improvisers called Scat Ability. So she's, I love having her because she's an amazing example of how you can do real estate as a side business and do it in a creative way. So I'm super excited to have you here. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Monique. How are you? I'm great. Um, so you started real estate. You started as a real estate investor, as a private lender, back in 2012. What got you started? Well, you know, I had had a pretty busy music career um, and still do, uh, just doing lots of different things. And I always sort of ran it um, entrepreneurially, you know, I kind of like dabbling in a whole bunch of different things. And I would say it was very successful in many ways, but I never was doing it for the money. So I wasn't, um, you know, crafting um, a, a career for myself that was going to make me independently, you know, like financially free. And I wasn't necessarily planning for my retirement until like five or six, seven years ago. And I started to think, gosh, I, I really need to, do something here, you know, one of these days, I'm yeah. not going to be able to trade time for money. And that's, that was the bottom line. I, I mean, I have some passive income with my, with my books and my, um, my app and some other things. But um, basically, I thought, gee, I got to figure out how to make some money. And a friend of mine <laughs> referred me to the person that seems to come up all the time, of course, Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, mm-hmm. the famous purple book, or in my case, yeah. this series of purple books. I've got five, <laughs> six or seven of them. And I, I just, you know, me and a friend of mine stumbled onto one of his weekend seminars that was really, um, he wasn't there, you know, somebody else was running it. And um, I, it was like 100 bucks for the weekend. And I, I was like, okay, why not? Yeah. Real estate, let me check this out. I really had never had much of a financial background, um, short of some stock market investing. And I ended up um, hearing a term in that session that changed, you know, changed my life. And the term was hard money. I had never heard of it Mm. before, didn't know what it was. 
And it just occurred to me at the time that, you know, I have some money. (laughs) And um, if I can loan out of my IRA also, then I have some more money. And if I could potentially loan out of my HELOC, then I even have some more money. And I and I started investigating it, and a girlfriend of mine who's a studio singer referred me to a flipper. And um, so I did my first flip deal with him, scared as can be, awesomely scared mm. that I would yeah. lose my second position, second position um, $50,000 that I was loaning to this deal. Um, but it worked out well, and... It just worked out well, you know, and then I just continued on from there and and then got more and more interested in real estate and I started going to real estate meetings. Then I then I got downright ambitious and I was studying a lot and seeing a mentor and so on, but I never gave up the music career and it's still going strong right now. So, you know, I had just had to kind of pull back on the real estate. So for the moment, I've settled into being a passive income private lender, generally. Okay. So explain for people what that is. Passive well, income, private, private lending. lending, yeah. Well, certainly, of course, it's um, private lenders are uh, basically the bank to a person that is working on a project and needs funds. So it's funding, and it differs mm-hmm. from a hard money lender, um, and different people would probably have different explanations for exactly how it differs, but as I see it from where I sit, um, hard money lenders are a little more um, of, a, of a formal business. They're more corporate. They're probably uh, going to play more hardball, you know, and, and be a little bit more like a traditional lender in that you don't pay, you know, you're foreclosed on and and so on um but they're they provide a really great service for um people like fix and flippers and other people that might have come into some trouble with their credit history or something like that um they just charge more more money of course than a than a traditional yeah. bank would does so private lenders are people potentially like me or like mom and pops who um, mm-hmm. have some cash, and they somehow connect up with people that want to borrow the cash for a certain percentage rate. Um, I consider myself and my partner and I, I, I work with a lending partner, and I consider us to be sort of in the middle between hard money lending style and private money lending style because, you know, we're pretty serious about what we do um and uh we're pretty airtight with the paperwork and pretty airtight on a lot of levels um you know but with that said we're kind of friendly in terms of we absolutely want win-win situations yeah i mean we just want win-win situations and i am so fortunate that i'm working with this partner that's really experienced so I've learned a lot of the business from him, and he's a really he's a good guy. And many times we've had little little problems that have come up here and there, and I might be inclined to go, you know, like, hey, we need to, you know, have the talk with them about, you know, you've got to either pay or we're going to have to move on to toward looking at um, serving a notice to you or something like that. He always finds a way that we can work it out, and um, yeah. I really appreciate that. That's part of the creativity of 
a good real estate person is um, being creative in the win-win and being creative in the exit strategy. I love that. So in a way, private private lenders, you're giving a loan to uh, to somebody. I guess it's, usually you work with flippers. Is that right? People that yes. are doing fix and flips. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're giving them a short-term loan at secured by the home, but you have a second position. No, we're. I wouldn't. Or the second position anymore. It's definitely okay. secured by loan. Yeah, it's a first trust deed on a property. Okay. All right. Great. Um, but in in a way, it sounds like you are you become partners with this person. Uh, you know, they're you're not doing the work. You're lending him, helping them with the money, with some money, so that they can get the deal done. And when they get the deal done, everybody wins. But you're going to get paid either way because you have a loan that gets a, a certain amount of interest. Right. That's basically it. I I wouldn't say the word partner. Though, you know, because it really isn't that, it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, I work with a lending partner, but that's different than yeah. the fixed flipper. Than the borrower. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. The borrower, right. Um, I mean, the borrower is a client, you know, basically. So yeah. um, we're not really, it's not like a partnership because, I mean, they have certain, um, one of the beauties of the private lending world is that you don't take title to the property and you do have the collateral um, providing you've been clever and thorough about your vetting of the collateral and your your um, creation of the paperwork and your vetting of the borrower. Um, so it's a lot safer. So it's in that way, it's not really a partnership. I mean, they're sort of, it's really their thing and we're tangential, yeah. but we're a very important tangential part of that person's, yeah. I mean, they need us. You know, obviously, and we're very happy to work with them to to you know get the interest income and the points. Great. So, what do you as you as a lender? What do you look for um, before you'll invest in a in a particular deal? Well, um, you know, um, it's a bit of a relationship business, like many, yes. most all businesses are, and probably all kinds of other legs of real estate. So there's certainly, um, I want to say, two or three of the six or seven or eight that we've, we've worked with or, you know, we at least come close to working with and, and you know, potentially working with. <clears throat> um, they're, um, sorry, what was I just saying? What did I start saying one second ago? Well, you started with the relationship business. So I was asking you, what do you what do you look for um, before you get into a deal, or you you give a loan? Right. Um, sorry, just had a senior moment here for a moment. Uh, forgot my train of thought that I was talking about. I think I told you about, you know, um, vetting the property and so on. I mean, we basically yeah. like it. Oh, I know what I was saying. When we're working, we tend to work with the same people over multiple deals. Sorry, that's what I was okay. trying to remember. Um, so that's kind of nice because once we do, we kind of get a system down. They're familiar with our paperwork. We've generally, you know, if they're staying in the same price point for the properties that they're flipping, 
Um, then we have our numbers pretty well, you know, like what the interest rate is and what the points are and um, the terms and everything. So that's that's kind of nice when we do that. So, um, but when I look when we're working potentially with a new um, borrower, there's a mm-hmm. lot of steps that go into um, vetting the situation. I mean, first of all, you want to you know take a look at who the person is. Um, what their yeah. experience is, what their rep is, um, mm-hmm. their reputation. I mean, it's so important in really any business. It's true in my music business, too. I mean, the, you want to work with people that have got a, a really good reputation and where the word on the street yeah. is is good about that person. Um, with that said, if they've had some bad times in the past, for example, 2008, hello, everybody, yeah. Yeah, remembers 2008 um, <laughs> badly, and uh, they may have run into you know really really hard time during that. So if they have had foreclosures, you know as long as they're honest about it and they're they're not trying to yeah. hide something, you know I mean the minute somebody tries to hide something or you get the feeling they're not fully disclosing or not being truthful, I mean that's just the curse of you know kiss of death. I mean, you don't, yeah. you know, nobody wants to put out that kind of energy or information. But if they're upfront about it, and I can think of a couple of really good, successful people right now that, wow, they had a hard time in 2008 and they lost a bunch. They may have lost deals with investors. However, in the end, they they ultimately did pay back their investors and they're willing to talk yeah. about it and be upfront about it. And to me, that's actually gives them a check mark in the plus column because, you know, thank you for being honest about this. This makes me feel like I can trust you, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I would say, though, I mean, the trust factor and the, the good feeling factor and the meeting somebody and, like, really kind of hitting it off with them or whatever factor, even the reputation factor, nothing trumps your collateral <laughs> and the viability of the collateral, yeah. you know, and uh, secondarily, nothing trumps um, really good paperwork that protects you um, in various inevitabilities. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, what do we look for in a, a flipper? Just those things. And um, I will say honestly that almost everybody we've worked with is somebody that either I or my partner, my flipping, my, sorry, lending partner, um, has approached, like I approach flippers. Mm. They, many of them approach me also, you know, when people know that you lend money, I mean, you can become pretty popular at real estate meetings and stuff because everybody's (laughs) looking for, you know, money. Um, but usually the people that I end up working with are the people where I was at a real estate meeting, I heard a panel of discussion and there was one person in there that stood out. And I was like, this person's yeah. smart. I like them. It looks to me like they're successful. They appear to be smart. They seem to be a pretty cool person. And I talk to them and, you know, kind of go from there. Um, and that that's worked very well for me. I will say there's a lot of people that have approached me that don't approach in a way that, makes me be receptive and I can share mm. about that if you want. But 
Um, yeah, what what do, what do they do that that turns you off? Well, it's kind of like anybody that's selling you on stuff. Nobody yeah. likes. Pretty much none of us like to be sold on uh, direct TV or you know AT and T or any like anybody that's actively sending you too much mail or hyping their product too much or whatever. I don't know. Maybe some people are like okay my with my mentor that. says. Say my mentor says everyone likes to buy. No one likes to be sold. So yeah. it's just <laughs> that's the they, truth. They come off, they come off yeah. really salesy. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's one of the main things. Exactly, you said it really well. If they come off salesy, that's not good. Now they need to. I mean, we know people need to um, share information about their deal. Not a problem. Yeah, we get that, and we need the information. We want it. We want to hear from them and and hear how they explain it and how it's structured and what it is and all that. But um, basically, if the type of person that really turns me off right away is if they say, "Hey, I've got this awesome deal. You know, it's um, you know you're going to earn you know." <laughs> You know, your return is 22%, you know, or something stupid like that. And and they say that from the get-go, and then they say, can we meet for, you know, lunch tomorrow or something? Or when can I call you? Um, already I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I need to protect my time from this person <laughs> because they want to use me, you know, they want to use my money. Yeah. And I don't hear them offering anything except a – a lot of big talk. So, yeah. But mm, but I I, so I do appreciate it. I li- I like it a lot if somebody comes up to me and and says, you know, listen, I'm uh I'm an experienced flipper and I've done XYZ number of deals. I tend to work in this market. Um I'm always open to um meeting new lenders. Do you have a minute? Would you like to talk? That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. That works for me. Mm. And then, then we go to the next level and I find out what they're doing and try to get a feel for what they want to pay, also what they can afford to pay in regard to their interest rate and stuff like that. And, you know, that, yeah. that's the beginning of a nice relationship. Mm. Good. That's good stuff. And I think that's useful for any that's good, that's good advice for people to think about in terms of anything they want to sell. <laughs> like how to yeah. somebody um, or not, right? Um, yeah. So that's really yeah. good. Um, and so in terms of private, if there's an investor on the investor side looking for a private lender, what, what recommendations would you have for them on how to find a good private lender? Yeah, gosh, that's a... That's a really good question, and I don't think I know the answer, but I'll venture <laughs> a guess. Um, I mean, if I were, you know, getting – if I were trying to raise money, mm-hmm. I would, first of all, ask my existing lending clientele about that, or you know, and just ask them, you know, mm-hmm. tell them you're looking to raise more money. Would You know, do you have any recommendations for anybody that might like to get in this business? Because – if they already have somebody that's a lender that works well for them in their business model and 
you know, is responsive and uh, takes care of business in a good way and is low maintenance and all that. I assume those are all good qualities in a lender. I don't know, but, yeah. um, you know, maybe they have friends that would also like to do it or family or something. Mm-hmm. But okay. I would also just be, um, I think those real estate clubs, you know, are really, really yeah. the great networking one of the great networking things for this business. And um, I've met lots of people through them and have some really good friends through them. And so I appreciate uh, those very much. And I guess, um, you know, I I don't know exactly the, you know, what a borrower is looking for in a lender except somebody that has money and would like to lend it and is relatively yeah. low maintenance in terms of not being such a novice that they can't know how to send a wire on time and, you know, or, you know, yeah. read through the paperwork or whatever. Um, I think most, in my experience, most borrowers just pretty much are open to most lenders that have funds to lend and are interested to do it yeah. initially. Um, so, yeah, I guess real estate clubs would be my main you know, thought on that place to go. And, and I would imagine a lot of the same things you look for in terms of reputation, honesty, experience would be be useful. Yeah. Anytime. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So I, this is a question I always like to ask my guests because I think we learn so much more from what goes wrong than uh, when things go right and are easy. So what, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? <laughs> well, um, you know, we've been really, really lucky so far. And I'm going to say lucky in addition to just doing pretty good due diligence. Um, but I think, mm-hmm. um, honestly, probably we're going to have a bad experience here sooner or later. I worry about the bubble we're in now. I've, I've never been in yeah. real estate myself in a down market. And mm, people tell yeah. me, sometimes more experienced people look at me and say, you've never been in a down market, have you? And I said, no, not yet. So I worry about that a little bit and how to yeah. protect against it. And maybe that'll be my uh, worst mistake experience. Who knows? But um, we have had some plenty of interesting things happen. As a matter of fact, I would say virtually every deal there's something that goes wrong, you know, and mm. that we that needs fixing, and we get involved in it. We're not not in a pushy way, just in a hey team, let's fix this, let's yeah, figure let's out how to fix it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we have so far, um, but we've had some kind of interesting things happen, um, <clears throat> including. Um, I told us at a club meeting recently, and that was that um, somebody we were working with, first of all, went on too long. It was supposed to be a six-month turnaround, and it was going on much longer, and we kept calling and asking him, hey, what's going on? We have, you know, and then he wasn't returning emails and calls. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we found out he um, – he had one of the things that was wrong with his deal that that he didn't disclose to us um, was that he had, um, in that property that had gone on so long, 
there was it was connected with the historical society of its area and he was having was trouble like a, getting the correct historic district. Yes. Right. Yeah, thank you. Mm, That's yeah. what I should have said. Yeah. Um, and so there were all kinds of rules and things about exactly the materials to use and how things had to be designed and so on that he hadn't been aware of before. So he was uh, having to scrap a whole bunch of like windows and stuff that he bought, you know, either scrap them or resell them or return them or whatever. And that took a lot of time. And then in the interim, um, he decided to um, uh, rent the house to Warner Brothers for a film that was a fire scene. So oh. here's this empty, down to the studs, you know, gutted interior that they wanted to film a fire scene in. And they did. They filmed a fire scene. And guess what? There was damage. What a surprise. Oh. Um, and, and actually, ironically, it wasn't really fire damage. It was that Warner Brothers had to paint this uh, or spray maybe this black charcoal-looking stuff on the wood to make it look burnt everywhere. Yeah. And that wasn't cleanable. Then it, t- it took the wood, the two-by-fours and the four-by-sixes or whatever, and made them not viable anymore. That was, like, against code. So oh, okay. <laughs> that was, anyway, so one of the, I mean, no. the type of mistake we made around that was, first of all, just not checking. We were trusting that some, you know, we, we should have called him on it when he wasn't started, you know, returning calls, when he wasn't returning calls. But also um, sometimes, um, yeah, whenever things go too long, it's a problem uh, for any reason because the borrower is at a risk of losing money. And when they lose money, that's when we get into trouble. We want the borrower to make money because if they're making yeah. money, then we make our full interest and points. And when they don't, you know, then that's when problems come up. So time is not our friend. They have to yeah. get it, get her done, you know, and then sell it in a reasonable time. Otherwise, they may stand to lose money. And we've just kind of let that slide a little bit more than once. Um, we did have a more high-end property that had a, a problem situation where he uh, it was more of a luxury home and we were in a group deal with five or six people and lending uh, partnership. And, um, yeah, he just couldn't um, get it sold. I don't know what was going on in the market or at the location, but for some reason. Anyway, he took care of it. You know, wow. it was fine. Um, we all got paid, but uh, he had to take a loss. Okay. Oh, man. I, this, is, this is so good. Um, and, uh, like time has, time has flown by during this um, during this interview, and yeah. uh, so we we're at the time, um, but like towards the end. So I want I'm going to ask you, how can well one I'm going to ask one question if you can answer really quickly, and then we'll go into Trinity. But just what advice? do you have for a woman just starting out in the sales? What what advice hmm. would you give? Well, um, maybe two quick things. One is that um, I um, it saved my life to work with a partner that was much more experienced than I. So I, mm-hmm. I would get with somebody that knows this business and really any business inside and out. And, and uh, even if you have to just hire a mentor, I, I also have hired mentors and um, – so that, and the other thing is that it's really not about 
how to run this business and operate in this business. It's about making the mm-hmm. decision to do it and then taking action. And we've all heard that with with uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all of that, but it's so true. I mean, this, the path to how to do it is kind of easy to figure out because, gosh, there are podcasts and the Internet and books and real estate clubs. I mean, easy to find yeah. the path to how to do it. But where people get hung up is in not taking action. So that's what I recommend. Oh, good. Great advice. Um, and how can how can people find out more about you? If they... oh, you know, Honestly, I I don't have any kind of real estate PR because Mm -hmm. I'm just a humble private lender at this point. Um, But, you know, I may be doing much more later, and I'm interested to do more. But they can certainly go through my music side and contact me through the contact page of my website. So that is Mish Music, M-I-C-H-M-U-S-I-C dot com. And I'd be very happy to hear from anybody and um, if I can be of help in some way and share more info for somebody, I'd be happy to. Great. Awesome. Mishmusic.com. And we'll conclude with a trinity. So a trinity is a brag, a gratitude, and a desire. So what is your brag? What's one thing you're celebrating right now? Hmm. Um, honestly, with real estate, I, I've got things I'm celebrating in music <laughs> that I'm happy about. But um, it, can, with it can be estate, about anything. <laughs> Oh, I can? Real. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Real estate or Okay. Well, for, you know, I mean, I guess I'm, I am happy that I, I seem to have had a pretty good success with music and doing okay so far with, with real estate or, or lending. So happy about that. Um, but I would say um, I'm celebrating, I could say this, I'm really celebrating that my private lending has financed the, the ability for me to not work quite so hard in music and to be more selective mm-hmm. in the work I take and to rebuild my music business to be a higher money earner for less of my time. So and, well bragged. Good. Love it. Thank you. And what are you what are you grateful for? Um I'm really grateful for being born uh from a family with solid means. And that's not affluence, it's just middle-income solid means for being healthy, to have the, the benefit of an education, to have some amount of natural common sense and talent. I'm thankful mm-hmm. for having some creativity um, and adventurous spirit because without both those things, creativity and adventurous spirit, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur and to be in this business. Yeah. So um, I'm thankful that I have those qualities. Awesome. And lastly, what's one thing you desire? Um, Honestly, I really want more time. (laughs) And that probably comes (laughs) down to, you know, one factor about that is money. So, yes, I would like to make more money. But really, I just don't think of it like that. I think of it like, Life is so darn busy, and I am not pleased about it, and I'd like to find a way to make enough that I feel, and I'm doing pretty well. I mean, you know, I'm doing okay. But, you know, I'd like to just feel like I have the freedom to to have time so I'm not 
in such a workaholic type of uh, mode because that's how I tend to be in my music career. And I'm trying to be cautious to not go there with my the real estate side of things. So mm. that's what I want is just um, freedom of time. All right. So shall your desire be or better than you can imagine. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. This was oh, really you. amazing. Bonnie. Appreciate it. If you guys want to connect with her, meachmusic.com, M-I-C-H-M-U-S-I-C.com. And to connect with me, you can connect with me at realestateinvestorgoddesses.com or on our Facebook page, Real Estate Investor Goddesses. And we have um, some freebies for you and I also am available for real estate mentorship. So get in touch and Join us next time for another um, interview with an amazing real estate investor goddess. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Monique. Thank you.